Blog Talk Radio. Well, folks, I am back at the Stone and Tile Show. I've been gone the last couple of weeks uh, on the road with inspections, etc., but we're finally back. And today we are going to talk about going green in the stone industry. Uh, hopefully I'll get David Bonacera here on the line. If not, we'll go ahead and talk about it anyway. Uh, but David's a wealth of information when it comes to uh, that particular area. So if you're a fabricator, a restoration contractor, even an architect, uh, this would be a great show to learn a little bit more about uh, going green things to do with green products, green procedures, et cetera, et cetera, since that's that's a big thing. Now, before we get started, uh, a couple of announcements. Uh, the first being is my seminar. I know the last show I had two or three weeks ago, I announced that the, the class is full. I did have a couple of cancellations. So if you want to attend the Stone Inspection and Troubleshooting Seminar that I'm going to be doing January 19th in Las Vegas uh, this coming year, uh, go ahead and give me a, a call or send me an email and I'll give you that information out here in a minute and uh, we'll go ahead and get you registered. I have like two spots left and they usually fill up pretty quick. I only take a maximum of uh, of 10 students, so we, we have eight already. So uh, just give me a call on that. Now, if you can't attend the seminar, there is another option. The other option is our correspondence class. We actually have this entire seminar, the same exact seminar that I do in Las Vegas, on tape, a self-guided PowerPoint presentation comes with everything. The only thing you really miss out on other than seeing me and and and, and uh, seeing me instruct and asking me questions, is that we do go on a live inspection during that uh, seminar in January. That's the only thing you'll miss. Uh, but that um, that class is available, a uh, self-guided class. It comes with a manual. It comes with everything. Uh, it comes on a flash drive, which you plug in your computer. Uh, self-guided voiceover PowerPoint presentation, uh, etc. So uh, if you're interested in that, go ahead and send me an email at F Houston, that's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Also, I want to mention that um, I just completed a, about a month or two ago a historic stone restoration seminar, and that's also going to be available uh, as an online class. So if you're interested in doing historic uh, stone or tile restoration works, a great seminar. Uh, I believe the seminar is like five or six hours long. Uh, go ahead again and send me an email. If you have a question here during the show, the number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. If you're listening live, uh, go ahead and call in with any question you have, whether it has to do with green, if it has to do with stone and tile, uh, give us a call. We'll, we'll find an answer for you. And if I don't know the answer, we'll certainly uh, try to find the answer for you. You can also send me an email, again, fhouston at gmail.com. If you're on Facebook, just go ahead and uh, send me a message on Messenger. Uh, just search for Stone Forensics, and uh, you can go ahead and uh, uh, instant message me there, and I'd be more than happy to uh, <clears throat> to answer the questions that you may, you may have. Okay, I don't see David calling in yet, so let me go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll start the conversation. Conversation uh, 
or basically talk about going green. Now, <clears throat> there's several avenues to cover. We have the fabrication end, uh, we have the supplier end, we have the maintenance, and we have the restoration end. And all three of those uh, do qualify for going green. First of all, let's take a look at the stone itself. If you have anything to do with specifying material, um, you know, using stone in your building is is considered green. There is an organization out there that I'm not sure you're aware of or not that is called LEED, L-E-E-D, which stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. And they have a whole program that you have to get pre-qualified. Uh, you form a, a group of people and you have all these points you can earn for actually getting your building to go green. And I believe there's four different uh, levels of green. There's, you know, a bronze, a, 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 a platinum. I can't remember what all four of them are off the top of my hand. But if you go to LEED, I believe it's either LEED.org or LEED.gov. Um, I, would, I would just go to Google and type in LEED, L-E-E-D. And uh, you can see how you can, uh, uh, if you, you're building a building for your architects out there, uh, qualify for it if you're involved in it. If you're in the stone restoration, you can uh, use it to promote your your particular process to your customer. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how can you go green with the products that you use in stone restoration. And the same applies uh, to fabrication. This is a good selling point if you're trying to sell uh, countertops or, or whatever uh, to your customers that's putting in a new building or rehabbing a building. It becomes a, a very good marketing advantage uh, to promote that your materials can qualify for lead points. So there's lots of information out there. Uh, the Natural Stone Institute has information out there. I would go ahead and check that. You know, basically, if you again, good old Google. Go into Google, type in lead, and you'll get all kinds of information. If you want to be more specific, you can type in lead and stone work, lead and stone restoration. Uh, I, I typed in a bunch of those common uh, terms that would be interested 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 in. So uh, you might go ahead and, and do that. All right, let's go ahead. And um, again, I don't see David calling in, so I don't know if he got tied up or not. Um, let's talk about water filtration and reclamation uh, uh, for stone fabricators. Now, depending on what part of the country you're in, this is becoming more and more of an issue is recycling your water. Uh, it's what we call a closed loop system where all the water you're using is actually being is staying in your shop and being filtered and recycled. There's lots of uh, options out there for filters and the show is not here to discuss that. Actually, it's a good idea. I might uh, get some of these filter companies to, to interview to talk about that for future references. But uh, that's something you really need to look into. If you're starting a shop, that's something you really need to look into. Uh, checking with your, your city, your county, and even your state to see if they require a closed-loop system. Because if you do have it, that's, that's, that's green. You're, you're saving the environment. You're not letting all that slurry and everything go into you know, the local waterway or local water system, which is going to, uh, which is going to be a problem. Um, now, along that route, I've often said this over the past few years, that it's, this is, you know, filtering your water and collecting your water is also happening in the stone restoration industry. There's certain cities now that are requiring you to actually capture your water and filter your water. Now, a couple of little tricks that we have used is that, and, and again, this doesn't always apply 
uh, nationwide. You have to look at your, your, your local codes of whether this applies or not. Um, if our slurry, the material that we're creating, say grinding a floor, uh, is a liquid, it's considered, uh, I don't know if I would say it's considered hazardous, but they're going to treat it as a hazardous material, which means you have to have a safety data sheet for, which there are available. Uh, if you don't have one and you would like one, I do have them. I'm more than happy to email you a safety data sheet for both marble and for granite. But if you can settle the material, and what I mean by settle the material, let's say you take a 55-gallon drum, you put your effluent, your slurry in there, in other words, and you let it settle, you're going to end up with clear water on the top, and you end up with your slurry, your solids on the bottom. If you take all that water out of there and just leave the solids behind and then you can add some, a little bit of concrete to it, then you'll actually uh, make a solid. And in many cities and counties, you can dispose of a solid in the, in the wastewater system. So anyway, oh, and it looks like we have David on the line. So thank you, David, for saving my voice here. Let me get it so I can get him in there. Hey, Fred. Are you there, David? I am. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad you came on. I was like, oh, my God, I hope David comes on because I'm going to run out of voice here. <laughs> it was uh, raining here. I was in traffic. Oh, it's raining. Well, that, that's good news for you guys in California, isn't it? It is. Yeah. The air is clear, and the, hopefully we can contain this fire. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, all, all the best of luck Pretty to you guys out here. there. Thanks. All right. So we're we're talking about going green, and you know I just uh, gave a little lecture on you know what lead was and everything, but you know in particular since uh, you do a lot of green stuff and you're very concerned with it, there's a few things I know you want to talk about. So let's talk about the first thing that you and I have discussed all the time, and that is you know I guess the best way to ask this question: What truly is a green product, and are these products that are out there being sold as? green and i'm using my fingers making quotes in the air <laughs> um are they are they truly green and, and i realize this is going to be a controversial topic but you know what it needs to be discussed so you have the floor sir well green product um generally a real truly green product is something that is recycled or that is used from something else um, that can be made into something that's usable, something sustainable. Um, there is a place called Santa Cruz just over the hill here, and actually they probably had some of the best green products out there. But a true green product is something that's, yes, it's recycled, like I have the better bio line, but that is more... Um, bio-based and hardly any chemical at all in it um, and it's recycled um, and remade from something else but the one thing that's very interesting is a lot of back in the 80s I guess when I was in LA a lot of the green products were really just diluted toxins yep and they were just alkalines or acids that were just diluted. In fact, I had a case with uh, Claudia, actually, one time, uh, Lazelle, who asked me about something and says, why is the stone eroding? And I get an MSDS sheet from her, and I went, Claudia, I said, this is a floor stripper, and then it has citric acid in it. So I kind of took an alkaline and an acid and 
neutralized it, and so it was kind of neutral, but because of the acidic nature in it that had balanced out, um, it was eating the veins in the marble and causing mm. them to erode. So the more they mopped, the more it eroded. So, And they called it green. And by the way, that was certified green. But sometimes certified green is, well, here's $3,000, and oh, I get my stamp. How cool. Yeah. Right, I'm green. <laughs> so it isn't really truly green. Green's kind of... Um, that's the word I want to use. But if you pay enough money, you can be green if you're within these certain ramifications, which are pretty loose cap. You know, it's funny yep. you should say say funny you should say diluted. And I think I may have told you this before, but you know, in my classes, what I what I'll usually do if someone brings up this subject and they say, well, you know, this product is green, this product is green, I'll say I'll take two glasses, and I say here I have a glass of uh, antifreeze. And I'm going to dilute in the other glass. I'm going to only pour half the antifreeze in there, but I'm going to add water. Which one would you drink? (laughs) And, you know, in this case, it's a diluted product. It's the same product, the same hazardous material or environmentally hazard material. And it's just diluted down. So it's just it's not it's not what I would consider by the true definition of green to be green. Well, and so, and sometimes there were back then, back then there were products that were green, um, or they called them green, and they were recycled. They were like from trees, tree sap and stuff. Um, but the problem is, is they were dealing with the people who were chemically sensitive. But they had such an odor that it was making people who were chemically sensitive sick. Right. And they said, but it's natural. And I go, yeah, but skunks and rattlesnakes are natural. natural. Doesn't mean they're good for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so there's a kind of a fallacy there. So, um, green, you know, there's a lot of products right now that are green or certified green out there. And the problem with them is they're, I've seen a few that are truly neutral. And when I say neutral is pH 7. Most of them are slightly alkaline, or they're slightly acidic, or they're really alkaline. But they're calling them natural, um, and they're calling them green. Um, But the fact is, is for stone, the pH that really can go without hurting stone would probably be somewhere around 6.5 to 7 to maybe possibly 8, 9. And that's about it. Right. But when you get into too much alkaline or base, it starts stripping process, which, you know, will take out your sealer eventually. And if you have something that's too acidic, uh, for instance, there used to be a product which they've changed, and it was a big manufacturer in the stone business, and it was a neutral cleaner. But they had it in concentrate, so you had to dilute it with water. But if you used it in concentrate, it would etch the bejeebies out of the mm-hmm. polished stone. And I've had a lot of clients who sat there and, you know, the girls came in and cleaned the grout lines, and then they had these etch marks right along the grout lines. So they took that product and changed it from a concentrate to just plain ready to use, because in concentrate it was destroying stones, and it was supposed to be a marble-neutral cleaner. They have such then fixed it, but they did have problems with it. So um, most of the products 
like people say to me, you know, I want a good neutral cleaner. I said, well, then usually go to the tile store. They have the best ones. They have the, the major brands and stuff. But most of the time, what I found, and a lot of people that I know around the, the United States, is one thing we can agree on, and that is that most green products really aren't that great for stone. No. Because some of them are slightly acidic or they're alkaline. And, you know, um, for instance, like Simple Green, for instance, you know, um, they use a, a green product, but I wouldn't say that it's truly green. No. So, and I don't want to get in trouble by them, but for the most part, you know, um, it doesn't really clean all that well either. So it all depends. But um, green is, I don't know, I think they're still working on it, but I have seen a couple of products that kind of really surprised me and were honestly truly green and had the correct pH and actually worked. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, and it's, you know, and as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, there really isn't any government regulation out there to call anything green. I mean, I, I, I look at green as more of a, you know, one of the, one of the pet peeves I have, which which would be a similar a similar word, and and you guys in California like to use this word all the time, and that's the word organic. It's organic, and I laugh at that term because if you if you look at what the word organic means, organic just simply means from a living thing. You know, so you know, um, lettuce is organic, and we know that's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but you yeah, know, I get what think, I'm saying. I mean, so. <laughs> it's kind of but, interesting. What I'm because saying. A lot, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, so that's that's kind of why I look at green. Green is such a loose term being used. It's you know, uh, it, it's it, everybody uses it for a different reason, and things aren't really quote unquote green. Or I think a better word might be sustainable. Yes, but that's a dirty word. Yes, because <laughs> sustainable. Because well, sustainable. Um. I guess you'd have to look at a dictionary of sustainable because people up here in Northern California, we talk about sustainable and there are some things and you want something to be sustainable. But then again, a lot of the products that they're putting for green really aren't green and things that they say are organic aren't really organic. For instance, if you have a farmer and those fields are organic, well, that's fine. But you know what? The one that's using pesticides and he sprays in the air, hey, that stuff can travel 40, 50 miles and get to the organic farm and settle there. So it may right. not be quite 100% organic. So how do you really know if it's really organic or it's not? I can tell you that you're going to pay a lot more money for something that's labeled organic. In fact, you're oh, going to pay a lot, lot more money. Like people will go to, there's this one grocery store, and, you know, you go in there and it's, almost twice of what every other grocery store is, but it's green and it's organic. And I feel better right. about myself doing this because I'm helping <laughs> saving the planet right. you know, <laughs> as they get into their vehicle and drive away and, you know, create all these carbons. So it's, it's, it's interesting. But um, in the building trade, um, there are some things that they really want to do that is sustainable, and that's fine. But, for instance, I was on a case in a large building in Los Angeles where they wanted to be green, so they put the soundproofing as a mat with recycled tires. Well, that was fine, and that's all good, except that somebody decided to put natural stone on top, 
And unfortunately, stone can't take any deflection, so <laughs> all these floors, 26 through 54, they all cracked, including granite floors. So, but they also didn't wait 28 days for the thin set to fully care out either. Yeah, it's funny. So, that reminds me. That reminds me of a story. I was in a seminar one time, and it, w- it was on 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 a lead project, and uh, they were talking about you know green products and how to get credits for or lead. And one of the photographs that this architect flashed up there was a, a piece of engineered material, engineered stone, recycled material, and uh, you know it's it's used. You know, whatever, busted up glass or, or granite or, or whatever. And, of course, me in the back, my hand goes flying up in the air. And it goes, well, well, well wait a minute. that That's that's fine and dandy. But what about the resins they're using to bind it all together? <laughs> so, the, you know, right, they're halfway there. The glass yeah. is a really cool thing to recycle. Don't get me wrong. No, not at all. Glass is great. Plastic is great. Um, I was actually in Guam many, many years ago setting up a manufacturing facility for somebody. And the guy comes up to me and he says, we have this uh, problem with all of our trash. I said, yeah, there's not much land here in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. You got an airstrip and about five feet of sand and it takes 20 minutes to go around the island. He says, what do we do? And I said, well, I said, gee, you're close to China. So why don't you have a strict recycling program where you have all the cardboard, all the paper, all the plastics, and all the metal, and have it separated, and the Chinese will take it and recycle it and send it, and sell it back to you as another product. And they go, wow, that's great. And I said, yeah, then all you have is really just organic material, food and stuff like that, and you gotta, don't have the plastics. And I said, then you use three types of fungus in the bioremediation-type bio process that will um, actually compost the stuff and take the whole mound down. But you put the fungus, side, fungus in it. And they go, wow, that would be great. That would solve our problems. And I said, yeah, that's it. Pretty simple. He says, yeah, but we can't do it this year. I said, why? He says, it's an election year. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, I ran as, I ran as a... You know, not me, but I was running as an office. But there was somebody who was like wanted to be class president in high school, and he told everybody they would have Coke and vending machines. <laughs> I said, it was a great idea. Go with it. He says, no, it doesn't work like that. I'm like, okay, well, that's crazy. But, um, but yeah, I like the whole thing of recycled glass. That's pretty cool. But you're right. You put the resins in it. Um, there was, again, on this one job where they said that, you know, they tried to say that something was green, but it had a lot of resonance. It was sent to me because the tile was curling up. And so I decided, what the heck, one day. So I took a torch to it. And as I took a torch to it, it caught on fire. Well, even engineered <laughs> stone will catch on fire, but it'll self-extinguish quickly. But this kept catching on fire, and it kept burning and burning and burning. So they had falsified the MSDS sheets, and it wasn't rated for fire, so they had to tear it out of one of the four or one of the buildings, and it happened to be on the Las Vegas Strip. So that was kind of interesting, but it was supposed to be green and recycled, but there was so much resins and binder, not binder, yep. binders, but the resins to bind it, that it was a uh, fire hazard. So it is pretty interesting. It's like, okay, they're halfway there, but they haven't quite all got 
their mud together on everything. Right, right. No, it's, it's, I, a, it's, a growing, it's a growing process. Uh, you know, I want to move on to VOCs here in a second, but before I do, um, I got one story. I, I may have, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but if I did, hang in there, let the listeners hear what this is. But I remember there's a casino out in Las Vegas, and I won't mention a name. And uh, I take my students there every year, you know, with my seminar, which we'll discuss towards the end of the show here. And uh, we're talking about, you know, the floors and we're pointing out stone and blah, blah, blah. And I look up off to the lobby and I see this plaque hanging on the wall. So I go over and I go, I wonder what that plaque is. Well, they have silver lead points in this particular casino. And <laughs> I had to laugh because... Of course, we're not going to get into this discussion, but they were recrystallizing the floor <laughs> heavily. And then number one, that, that's a hazard. That's a VOC hazard as, as well as various other hazards that you and I both well know. And uh, some of the other things they were doing in this particular building uh, was also not what I would consider green. And then this building had a, a LEED certification, a silver LEED certification, which I had to laugh. But anyway, um, let's talk a little bit about VOC. You hear that word thrown out there all the time. Uh, our listeners might not know what that is and what caused, you know, why don't you explain a little bit about VOC? Well, VOC actually is a volatile organic compounds. And that is the amount of odor um, that gets into the air, okay, measured, okay? And so a lot of times people say this has zero VOCs, but yet when you put your nose over it, it probably burns your nose. But they say, well, it has zero VOCs. Zero VOCs means it has no odor. Zero, zip, nada, none of the above. Don't pass go, don't collect $200. Right. However, <laughs> low VOCs, at least it's lower. Um, but again, it's kind of loose. This whole thing with leads and the whole green program, they're trying. And I'll give them credit for that. But a lot of times it's about money. And there are some buildings that are really cool. They're really built well, very sustainable. Um, but, again, a lot of it, the, the whole thing about points and doing this and doing that, then you look at some of the products that are in there, and they're really not green. But they're certified green. But, you know, they may have paid thousands of dollars to get the green, and that's it. So some sneaks in. The rest of them, you know, they're trying. And it's a lot better than it used to be, but... Since the 80s, when I was in L.A. and green kind of really took off, and a lot of people in Southern California thought that Northern California was really green. The fact is, actually, Southern California is a lot greener there. Um, coastal water is far better than ours. Um, they get B's and C's while we get D's and F's. But as hmm. far as volatile organic compounds go, that is really just what is um, of the product that's emitted into the air. And then uh, most people so, don't realize a lot of your solvent-based products are going to have some some type of VOCs, where your water-based products are going to have none to to very little VOCs in, in general. Well, yeah, sure, there's, instance, there's everybody's going water-based. There's a new uh, product line out there, fairly new to the industry, and I've talked to them. I said, "Look, I need a solvent-based sealer. I need something that's thin that I can get in the tight stones." And they said, "Look, we're only going." green you know we're, we want to be green so we're going to go water-based well the fact is fred i think i learned this from you decades ago <laughs> and that is water base is still water-based solvent there's still solvents 
they're just water. So the water base has a larger molecular structure than the, you know, than the solvent does. So it's good for poor stones and areas that need to be filled up. But try to get a water-based product into a tight stone, and it's not going to happen. No. You may want to scrub it with a white pad, but it's you're not, you're not going to get the solids and carrying agents in there um, to really make it worth your while. But um, a lot of the things I'm really into low VOC um, simply because as a business owner, I don't want my people to get hurt. If they get hurt, it's too much paperwork. Plus, they're out, and it's just a drag. So it's a lot easier to keep them safe and spend the correct money um, on safety equipment. Though in the stone business, um, there are some things that you still use that um, have high VOCs and are solvents that still work. And until they give me an, a replacement for acetone, hey, it still works really good, especially, right. on, tape, <laughs> especially on tape lines. You exactly. Know? So if they haven't really got a replacement for it yet, and if they have, I'd like to know about it. Well, the problem uh, that I've seen with a lot of the water-based, water-based cleaners, not not you know not sealers per se, is that they they work. Oh, I shouldn't say cleaners. The the solvent-based like strippers and stuff like that, they work, but they work slower, uh, much slower than a than a solvent does. Well, and there are um, things now that you can do where we used to have to use methylene chloride, where um, you can put it on and wait overnight. And then it will strip it. It will strip it nicely. Yeah, absolutely. And it may work slower, but slower is safer. I'd rather have. I'd rather come back the next day and finish the project than what I've had to go through in the past of smelling methylene chloride. Mm-hmm. For instance, I think the limoline was the first agent in cleaning that they said was green. They go, well, it smells like oranges. Yeah. You know, it's gotta it's be green, green right? <laughs> right, but if you look at an MSDS sheet and look at the classification of the limoline and concentrate, it's known as a carcinogen in the state yep. of California. So just because it smells like lemons and it smells like orange doesn't mean it's green. It's just a diluted toxin. Well, and then the actual the manufacturing. I mean, they do use citrus citrus waste to make delimonene, but the actual process that they use, they'll actually use uh, uh, some harmful solvents in order to extract that <laughs> uh, out of the out of the lemon or out of the lemon or the citrus in general. And it's yeah. like, okay, I, I don't get that. How can it be green and <laughs> you know still use all these harmful harmful chemicals? And there have been the reports that's, of. That's kind of cool. Is I have a background in bioremediation, and I still to this day find it just amazing. It's really fascinating um, because the bacteria can be used in certain ways that are really really good. Um, for instance, a bicillus bacteria is really, really good for um, organic waste, okay? Um, so when it comes to uh, animal waste and stuff like that and get rid of the smells, it's very good. They have stuff for oils. I believe that the oil spill that was in the Gulf of Mexico at the time, um, they used bioremediation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the so-called green people are still trying to say there's still you know, stuff there, but they, there are bugs that eat oil. There are bugs that eat organics, you know, and it's very, very interesting. A lot of waste treatment plants have a bicillus bacteria that they'll actually make 
so that when the waste comes in, they throw the bugs in, and it shocks the system. And they reproduce every 20 minutes, and they're actually a bacteria which excretes enzymes. Right. And it reproduces about every 20 minutes. So there's some really cool stuff um, with that. On the other hand, there is a company out there, a very large company, that supplies um, products for restaurants and stuff. And they have an enzyme product for the kitchen. And I will tell you, it works really, really well at eating all the grease. The problem, Fred, is that... It goes way past eating the grease. It goes after all the organics in the grout, and then mm. it goes down underneath and eats the organics in the thin set and completely loses all bond to the tile and completely d- obliterates the grout <laughs> itself to where it's just like mashed potatoes. It's mushy. So in one sense, it works really, really good, but they haven't quite controlled it yet because I see a lot of failing floors. Um, and it's because... The grout's soft, and they use this one particular product that's an enzyme. So in one sense, enzymes or bacteria can be really, really good. On the other hand, they can be really, really bad. Yeah, it sounds, like, it sounds like everything that's biological in Florida, I don't think anything here is native. <laughs> it's all introduced, what we call introduced species of uh, plants, animals, bugs, and, and, and what, what have you. I want to uh, change subject, not change subject, but change, uh, get away from BOCs for a second and talk about, or actually ask you this question. Um, you know, we're starting to see, and I want to know if you're starting to see this, where, you know, we know stone fabrication shops are now being required in a lot of areas to recycle their their, their water and material, but now we're, we're all slowly seeing where even stone restoration companies that are out in the field, you know, grinding marble, granite, or whatever, where they can't dump their material anymore. They have to either recycle it, uh, capture it, bring it with them, or whatever. What's your What's your thoughts on that? You know, that's a great subject, Fred. And the reason why one is, I just got a pallet today. Um, from a manufacturer, actually, it was um, Stone Pro. I got a pallet in, okay, and ready for distribution. But on there is this bag, and this bag, um, actually, you can take your slurry, and it will actually turn it to a solid, which then can be thrown away. Yep. Which is really cool technology. But for there's a couple things about the fabrication industry, and um, I'll get to the whole thing as far as the, the dust and stuff, which, again, is, is air quality. But as far as recycled water and stuff, absolutely. If you go to a, um, a waste treatment plant and you're up in the air in a plane or a helicopter, you're going to see fields of solids that are just spread out next mm-hmm. to it because they've got to take their solids and dry it out. And once it's dry in California, then they say, well, then you can throw it away. But the problem with that, then they say, well, that's fine. But as soon as that product goes into the landfill and heats up and comp- is a composition compost, then it becomes a toxic again by the classification. So right. that's kind of a policy there. But um, I think the whole thing of recycling water, uh, recycling the product and separating it, um, absolutely. That's a great idea, actually. Um, I did a TV show a long, long time ago when I had an environmental TV show. And um, we caught this one uh, car wash, um, pressure washing the stuff, 
um, out all the oils and stuff out to um, out to the street, and well, it went down into the storm drains, and maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred feet away was a creek. So they were washing this mm. right into the creek, which oh, is wow. a no-no anywhere. So because of that happening, and yeah, we called the fire department and the police and everything, and we got it on tape, and it was kind of fun. Um, but in the sense of the guy ended up having to spend a lot of money for a recycling system so it wouldn't go into the street. So with that said, having a recycling system um, for the fabricators, yeah, it's just that kind of is like peas and carrots. Right. Um, it's something that should be the thing that now Stone Pro has, which is kind of cool, is they actually have a product that will take all that stuff, turn it into a solid, so you don't have to worry about spending the money to th- have it thrown away or disposed of, but you can actually throw it away because it turns it into a solid, which is kind of cool. Right. Actually, I just got a bag of it, and I'm like, really? Hey, this is cool. I can do something with this. Yeah, and, it's, that, that... It, and, and the technology is getting there. It's really cool. Um, going that way, moving sideways, you know, when you talk about fab shops, um, you know, they've, in California, um, you know, the laws are a lot more stricter than most states. But one of the things that happened on this whole economy boom that we had, and then everybody decided that they wanted granite countertops, and granite countertops are really nice um, and very durable and everything, but a lot of the guys that were fabricating it didn't have proper protection. And with that granite, it has silica in it, and the dust would get in the air. So there, because a lot of people who are enjoying the granite countertops, there's a lot of men who were fabricating and probably some women who were fabricating. But the problem with that is the dust was in the air and they were inhaling it. Mm-hmm. And they now have what's called silicosis. I actually have an employee who has silicosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate to say it, but he's screwed. Um, yeah. you know, I got a max, you know, he has to take oxygen breaks and stuff. And what it does is just kind of cakes onto the Ivila, which is a filtering system for your lungs. And he's never going to get rid of it. It's never yeah. going to happen. It's, you know, it's the worst of the worst. So even though they're not doing granite now so much and they're doing more marble, you still have the airborne dust. So when people talk about VOCs, they're like, you know, VOCs are bad, but if you're sucking in dust, any way you look at it, you're hosed. And the thing that's interesting is the toxins can get into your membranes, your membranes or your eyes your nose, your ears, and your mouth. When it comes to mold, for instance, those are the four areas where the mold can come into your system mm-hmm. and and really just destroy your immune system. Um, it can also, if you're sweating and your pores are open and the spores start dripping and getting into your skin, it can do the same thing. But as far as the dust goes, um, that's real deadly. And... Um, the um, Marble Institute of America, which is now the Natural Stone Institute, they've done a lot of stuff on silica and OSHA and safety, and they've really done a huge thing on it, probably more than anybody, yeah, as far they have. as safety programs um, to prevent that. Now, my guy who has silicosis, um, he went to his doctor, and he went to another doctor, and 
neither of them knew what what was going on with them. Doesn't so, surprise me at all. Yeah, I've so got friends of mine was, that are. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, so I had I had to call, I had to call his doctor and diagnose it for him. <laughs> okay. Now we have something out here that's called Breed California and the American Lung Association. And I've talked to both of them and said, look, let's do a show on silicosis. Let's let people know about it. And they said, and they, they're not really interested because it hasn't become epidemic yet. Right. I said, what are you guys talking about? We need to inform <laughs> people that this is happening. I said, they're sitting there enjoying their beautiful countertops and somebody's getting hosed because of it. And they're trying to make a living for the family and they're getting polluted by it. And so that's one of the problems that, that happens with that. And it's it's getting better, but unless you know about the Natural Stone Institute, formerly the MIA, um, with all the information that they've done, the greater percentage of the country, probably I'd have to say at least 90%, don't have a clue. No. And that's well, one such, of the we're things such a, that are bad. We're such a... We're such a small industry compared to, you know, like the automotive industry or the healthcare industry that, uh, you know, a lot of times we're ignored, um, which is which is a real 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 shame. Um, it really is, but I mean, they're talking about leaders and for air quality, the people that I were talking to, and they weren't really interested. And they go, well, I can look at it, and so I give them all the information from the uh, MIA or now MSA, and I tell them about it and then there's no real reaction i'm like why aren't you doing something with this exactly and they're like well hasn't really become a big thing hasn't really come to our plate i said so it needs to be an epidemic first before that happens and yeah. they go well kind of uh, and i'm like more, pe- more people have to die you know <laughs> well but the thing is these are green people and a lot of the green people out in california um i'm going to be as politically correct as i can but um, the green people are like little barking dogs, you know. Can't do much, but they'll nip at your ankles and stuff, you know. But they're really, they're they're talking green. They want to do green. But, you know, I'm sitting there doing a TV show years ago about wood smoke, right? And then, mm-hmm. like, two weeks later, I'm at a Christmas party, and my host was burning, you know, wood in the fireplace. <laughs> and I'm like... Terry, didn't we do wood smoke? And he says, David, just shut up and have a glass of wine and enjoy the party. (laughs) I remember. Terry, this is wrong. I remember years ago, I was back when, uh, you know, we we call them the tree huggers, you know, save the trees, save the trees. There was a protest somewhere. I forget where I was. And there were maybe, I don't know, 20 people outside and they had these signs you know, save the trees, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I had to stop and ask them, uh, is that sign you're using that says save the tree made of paper? That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> you know where that and came every, from? <laughs> you know, it's funny because every time I, I look at a receipt that I get from somebody at a store and they got this huge long receipt, right, because it's full of coupons. And they give it to me, and I'm like, save a tree, for God's sakes. So really? Me, you know? Oh, but, uh, yeah, it's a lot of the people out here in California um, talk green, want to be green. But, honestly, um, 
a lot of people are very hypocritical. So, so in, in conclusion, David, where, where do you think? Well, actually, I, I got a twofold question. The first question being, where, where do you think we're going in the industry when it comes to going green? Do you think we're going in the right direction? Do you think it's in its infancy? When? What's your thoughts? We are definitely going green, but it's a lot of it's really being led by um, the Natural Stone Institute um, because they're really kind of the bible of the stone industry. Right. Uh, I have had my little. Um, beefs with them um, about what they're doing and stuff and what they could do more for the membership um, the people that are paying all this money but for the most part they're actually in their little way really kind of trying to get there Um, but I I think more than anything else maybe OSHA is helping more than anything else um, simply because of rules and regulations but even that, you know, they're kind of understaffed, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of fab shops. You see guys wearing um, goggles, and you see them wearing masks, but you walk in, and the whole place is just a powder keg in the air. Yep, see it all the time. <laughs> right, and you're like, you really think this is really good for you? You know, there's no nothing that creates a vortex, which is a stream of air. And you pull in from one side and you push out the other, and you can trap it with filters, um, but they're not really doing enough. Um, I think it's going, being that I got into green back in the 80s, honestly, Fred, it's going a little too slow. Yeah, that's what I would say. I would agree with you there. It's going too slow. There's so many things you can do, but it's going at a snail's pace. I mean, people like the NSA are doing what they can and OSHA's and trying to enforce what they can. But for the most part, everybody's talking green. And yes, we got our little, you know, our garbage here, and then we have our recycled here, and that's really nice, and we're trying to do our part. But for the most part, as far as the stone industry, um, it's going too slow. It could go a lot faster. Um, the thing I mentioned about Stone Pro is actually pretty cool because I think that's going to be a huge thing. That's going to it's right around the corner, man. Just turning the corner and it's oh, yeah, about I to agree. off. And that's going to be a good thing because that's going to help in a lot of ways. So there are things, but I think it's more of just industry itself and people being innovative and really being ahead of the curve. Um, that are making it happen more than, let's say, you know, um, government. You give it to government, I think they will always right. screw the pooch on that one. But for the most part, you know, um, in, um, you know, entrepreneurs really are always going to come up with something better because they have to. Right. And they're innovative, and they're not, they're not getting up in the morning to take their pile of papers and moving it from the right side of the desk to the left side of the desk so it looks like they got something <laughs> done. They actually get up in the morning and get something done and say, I want to do something with my day, which is really cool. So well, you know, separate – Go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to say, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on what side of the fence you look at, if you can make money at it, uh, you'll see more and more of it. <laughs> you know, so hence well, the yeah, recycling well, companies, filter companies, you know, things of that nature. But then China also recently said, "Hey, look, we don't like, we like the paper, but you have a lot of other things in with the paper, uh, the vinyl, some of those receipts. They're not paper." 
and they can't really recycle that because there's other garbage in it. You get something right. that you think is paper, but it's got other man-made materials in it. So they don't want it. So we're having this huge problem out in California trying to get to the Chinese because we've made paper stronger. So it isn't so much paper as there's other entities into it that really are recycled but in a different whole area. And so we're having a little brouhaha with that one. Well, it's, it's funny I, you should I say think... that. Yeah, I was going to say it's funny you should say that because uh, yeah, I remember years ago a, a friend of mine that has a uh, a diamond uh, abrasive company came up to me one day and said, hey, I want to give you a tile and I want to see if you can polish it. So he gives me this tile and I didn't recognize a tile. It was some kind of composite of some kind. And I, I played with it a little bit and uh, went back to him and said, so can you tell me what this tile is made of? He says, yeah, it's made out of cow shit. <laughs> and they were making it in India or something. They were actually taking cow manure with other ingredients and either baking it or pressing it, whatever, and actually making it into tiles for floors. <laughs> Boy, I'd hate to see a hot, humid day on that one. I know, and uh, I kept saying, man, <laughs> oh, you put that put that tile on your floor, you say, hey, come look at my shitty floor. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. Anyway. Yeah, that's funny. All right. Well, let's let's unless you have uh, I've got I want to switch gears to another topic right now. Unless you have anything you want to kind of uh, sum up on the, no, we on could, the green. No, we could continually talk about, but I think yeah. you're right. I think just with the slurry and the air quality, um, I think we could do a lot more. What I think people need to understand is vortex, and that is a str- and that is a stream of air that. Um, I always tell people when, like for mold, um, mold doesn't like moving air. So if somebody gets mold, you open one window of a house and you push out the other window, right. the other side. And so the mores, the spores don't have a chance to set up and multiply. Right. Okay. So out they go. And I think if they did that more with the fabrication shops and use air to their benefit, um, I think that would um, I think that would help immensely. But something as simple as airflow, um, they still don't get. You walk in and you see this cloud oh. of stuff. You look at the guy and he looks like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Oh, yeah. You should and, see and South Florida. Like, <laughs> yeah. They still fabricate oh, flip-flops, and, flip-flops and shorts with no you know, uh, protective equipment at all. It's amazing. And, <laughs> it's amazing these guys, to this day. These guys, these guys are going to get hosed when they get older. They're oh, just yeah. going to be posed, and it's just it's, it's horrible, and I wish somebody would do something. But the people who are green are going, well, but it's not a big thing right now, so let's not rock the boat, yeah. you know. And so exactly. that's kind of crazy. Anyway, yeah. Well, something to look forward to. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. But, uh, okay, now I'm gonna, I, I heard you have a new product that's used in uh, the stone restoration industry that uh, is a diamond oil. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? This actually is a really cool product. Um, a gentleman I know out of Florida, um, <laughs> you, actually, um, actually sent me a sample of it. And the thing that's really cool um, about this lube is that you put just a little bit into the water when you're cutting your marble or your stone floor. And the one thing that is really terrible that all restoration guys and fabricators will tell you at the end of the day is they don't like the cleanup because the stuff just kind of cakes on and grabs onto the surface. 
and doesn't want to let go. And your Dr. Fred Simon Lube, actually what it does is takes, it's kind of like a colloidal cleaner, but it's not. But what it does is takes it and suspends it so that it's not allowed to grab onto the floor. So when you suck it up, um, it actually comes up. I was talking to a competitor who actually came in to buy some stuff at my store the other day, and he goes, yeah, you know that, that loop stuff you have? He says, that's amazing. He says, that was crazy. I didn't have any cleanup. He says, after I was still grinding with that grit, I sucked it up, and it was clean as a whistle. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's really cool. I said, well, how much do you have left? He says, oh, little goes a long way. I still have plenty. Thank you. But that's the thing that's really cool with this product, Fred, of the, what you develop, was whether it be put into the water at a fabrication shop or something that they've just put into the, the system itself. But what it does is keeps it from just grabbing on. And as one fabricator said to me, I hate having to pressure wash every single day to get this yep. stuff off my floors. <clears throat> and what this does is makes it a lot easier for the cleanup. And yep. as far as restoration in someone's house or business, after you get through with that grid or you're cutting with a saw, it cleans up really, really nice. And you don't have all this caking, which actually is really phenomenal. Um, and I'm surprised that nobody's come up with it earlier. But um, I'm going to... I'm going to run with this product because this is really good. Anybody that cuts with diamonds or cuts stone, um, that stuff is a problem. So this is this is really cool stuff. Well, what also it does too is it, it will extend the life of your diamonds because it's keeping the diamond cleaner. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not going to be as uh, I mean you know I don't have any hard data on that, uh, but you know the, the the testing that I have done shows that it, it's going to keep your diamond cleaner, which means it's it's going to going to last longer as well, and. Uh, Mr. David Bonacera here is the exclusive distributor of this product. So any of you out there listening to the show uh, can contact David. And uh, why don't you give them your information, David, of where they can get it? Um, it's at ESP Sales. Um, and I'm going to be putting it on my website very, very soon. It's on Amazon and eBay currently. It's called Dr. Fred's Diamond Lube. And it comes in a little 8-ounce bottle. Um, and you don't need really a whole lot to put into your water. That's you think of eight ounces being not being a lot, but actually it's really highly concentrated. Um, and this is really cool stuff. And when you talked about the diamond blade, when that material takes onto that blade, um, it's what I call a dirty blade. And sometimes if you don't clean your blade, um, sometimes you won't have a clean cut. And there are some uh, particular stones. Um, in the granite world that um, are a little bit more fragile. They may have a little bit more mica to it. I'm saying that as an understatement. And right. <laughs> when it, and you'll see it won't be a straight cup. It'll be, look like it's jagged and really, really dirty. Um, and this lube, what it does is help it keep clean. Um, and it's kind of, um, it's really, really cool and really new to the industry. But the thing for me is, I mean, how much time do you save on cleanup and then you have labor? So after you're through, you suck with with, with, with wet dry vac. One of the hardest things about grinding the floor is the cleanup. Yep. And, you, you know, you got guys with a machine or they're on their hands and knees fine-tuning around the edges and the corners. And that's crazy because some of that stuff will cake on. And even though you scrub it, it still kind of hangs on to the grout or hangs on into a vein in a tile. 
you know, in a stone. So this really alleviates a lot of that problem and it makes your cleanup, uh, I would say, more than 50% faster. In fact, I would probably put it up there around 70% faster. This is really cool stuff, Fred. Cool. I really appreciate it. All right, that. let's need to wrap things up here. We've got about four minutes left, so let's talk about one more thing, and that is uh, the seminar I have coming up in Las Vegas. I've got a couple of openings up. Why don't you tell the folks uh, what you think of that seminar? So the thing, I've, I've taken um, three of your classes. Um, they were different, but I've taken the one that you have here um, that you have coming up. And one of the things that I found, I knew forensics, but it's not so much, yeah, if you want to be a forensic guy, yeah, it's going to be really, really good for you and incredibly helpful. But one of the things that's really helpful is to everybody who does restoration. And the thing that's really helpful for that is that when you're doing restoration or cleaning or sealing, a lot of times you're at the mercy of what somebody else did. And chances are the person who put that installation in may have not been the sharpest pencil in the box. And there are problems that are going to occur they're going to keep you from a getting paid, b ha- possibly having a bad week or a bad day, and you don't know why. And there's some forums uh, online that really help with that. But one of the things of taking your class, Fred, is that when I took it, even though I knew a lot of stuff already, it was cool because there was a lot of stuff I didn't know. And after all, the young doing this now 31 years. And even if I took the class again, I would still find stuff because you get sometimes the most interesting cases. And even on your failure Fridays, I'm kind of like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you get some pretty interesting stuff. But all of your years of experience, I mean, you originally wrote, I think, um, you were one of the first guys to do the MIA's design manual mm-hmm. way, way back when. So yep. you've already been there, done that, and got the tour jacket. You know, you've already done that. And I have a book which is called, uh, it's your Bible for stone. And to this day, I still have it. And it's still a reference manual. It's decades old, but it's still, a lot of it is state-of-the-art on how to fix stuff. But as far as your class goes, it really goes deep. And when I say it goes deep, it goes deep into forensics. And the forensic says, what happens when you see this? Well, this is caused because of this. For instance, um, if you're going into a floor and you don't know what indent fractures are and you, and you don't understand it and the floor is honed and you can't spot it and then you polish it, all these indent fractures are going to show up. And then the lady or the client's going to say, those weren't there when you, when we started. Your floor machine may have cracked my floor and you don't get paid. Or why is the shower dark? What's, you know, the pants holding water, but nobody told you the pants holding water. So this class not only could take you to make you, you know, a forensic person, but as far as the actual um, restoration person or cleaning ceiling person, this will take you to a new level to identify problems so that you can put on your proposal, please note, blah, 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 so you don't get busted. Right. And that's the well, thing David, that's really, gonna, really important. Yeah, I hate to cut you off here, but we got 30 seconds left, so I've got to wrap it up. Otherwise, they're going to cut me off here. But uh, I want to thank you for your time. 
And uh, again, anybody that's out there out there listening, uh, want to pick up that product, contact David at ESPSales.com. Is it .net? Uh, ESPSales.net. .net. And uh, again, if you have a question for me, send me an email, fhouston at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see everybody next, next week. Have a great weekend and a happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. Happy Thanksgiving.